Right, and we are back with a special episode here because this is the first time that we'll be having an interview with an active fighter, and this is a girl with a hell of a story and also a hell of a talent, uh, none other than the natural Autumn Norton. Autumn, how are you, and, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm doing well. <laughs> And then, as always, I'm joined with Bill. Bill, how are you doing? Fantastic. And just excited to get an opportunity to speak with a current fighter. Triathletes do not count. <laughs> so this is by far the, the episode that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I've followed Autumn's career a little bit, um, late amateur and then as a pro. Uh, I think it'll be a great insight to learn her, her perspective on the fighting game. Uh, as not only being an active fighter, but a lot of them have full-time jobs as well, just kind of that whole um, evolution. I think she's going to make some waves, and that's an upcoming fight. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, upcoming fight on July 20th. They have the location and uh, date released there. Everything is there. We we had a little bit of the earlier insight into the fighter, but uh, now we know that it's in Denver, Colorado on July 22nd and Invicta FC 48. Autumn, how are you feeling about that fight? I'm sure that you've been itching to get back into the ring after, or act back into the cage with the last fight being a dominant. I think it was, you had a 10-8 round in your last, I think two judges had a 10-8 round in your last fight, and it was all three rounds were in your favor. That was back in 2019. So since then, what what has changed and what, progress have you made since that last fight uh yeah i'm super excited to get back it's been a long time coming i was supposed to fight um oh like i think a year after that in the midst of covid and uh i went all the way out to kansas city i cut a bunch of weight and then my opponent ended up testing positive for covid so the fight got scratched but um i mean since then tons of uh changes have happened have happened can you, can you hear me still? My phone kind of yep. cut out. Yep. We sure. Hear you loud and clear. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So since. Oh, well, I think some tons of uh, changes have happened. I switched gyms. Uh, I have a bunch of new coaches, new teammates, and uh, lots and lots of improvements have happened. And I'm just ready to showcase it. And for those that don't know, what gym are you fighting out of now? Uh, I fought out, fight out of MMA Gold in El Dorado Hills, California. Yep, and then that was what you had made that change. How long ago was that? Because you were fighting out of Reno, correct? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and- I moved out to SAC in January full time, so I'm one hundred percent. I represent them, and of course, still do some cross training at some other places. But MMA Gold is my uh, home gym. And I don't think a lot of, especially fighters that, and this is actually something, Bill, we had touched on, uh, I think it was two weeks ago on one of the Sunday podcasts about fighters going into some of these new gyms and that have to kind of progress the skills and you got to go with who you know best. What what does that process look like, Autumn, of making that transition? Because I know especially you – develop a rapport with a lot of the people and it's not an easy decision or something that you take likely to just change gyms. So what, 
what goes into that, at least for you, in realizing the the move you need to make and your changing locations and, and everything involved in that? Um, so, uh, I've known Jim West, my uh, head coach, uh, the head coach of MMA Gold. Uh, I've known him for a really long time. I lived down in SAC when I was 19, um, lived down there for a little bit and I trained there. I was just too young though. And, uh, you know, I was kind of scared living, living in a new city, big city. And so I ended up moving back home, but, uh, still cross trained from time to time with them. Uh, and then at my last gym, things just kind of fell apart a little bit, and I kind of just realized um, what I need as an athlete and what is important to me because every fighter is different, and um, every fighter has different needs, and I just know what's best for me. So I uh, you know, packed my stuff and moved out, and then uh, it's been like nothing but just improving mentally and physically from there. And uh, I know it was the right decision to make, and uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I feel good about it. So, I think that is a pretty good point that I want to highlight while it's fresh, because knowing some other fighters, whether they're prime time or whether they're amateurs, or I think a lot of gyms. Well, I won't say a lot because I don't know. I haven't been around a lot of gyms, but I've heard that some gyms actually put the gym ahead of the fighter and where autumn where you just said every fighter is different they are and i think a good gym will figure out what makes that fighter tick and what they need and put them first and sometimes maybe some fighters get locked into gyms and they won't leave and they won't grow it had to be very difficult to pack up and leave and go somewhere because of the fear of the unknown but if you know what you're doing is best for you it's hard to argue. I'm glad that it's working out. I can just see simply by some of the training videos now compared to what I've seen in the past that it's a different environment. Um, anything as far as like what younger fighters should kind of look for is if they're in a gym and maybe it's time for a change. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, uh, I've been kind of like realizing this too, as I'm getting older, uh, I've been doing this for 10 years. And so I, I mean, I've, I've been with the coaches and I've left coaches and, you know, the thing is a lot of people, and like, like you said, a lot of gyms put their name before their fighters and they aren't. And I think that's just based on their own inability to, uh, cater to fighters or, you know, a certain style, or like you said, what makes a certain fighter tick. They're just, they're unable to do that. It's, it's their way or no way, you know what I mean? And uh, what I would yeah. say to younger, what I would say to younger fighters, and I've I've, I've given advice to some fighters is um, the only person you have to stay loyal to is yourself, and that doesn't mean to burn people or burn bridges, but like you have to cross train. You need to like you can't just be stuck in the same places, and you know you have to get exposure if you want to grow and learn and get better, especially as a female, because it's already hard enough to get other female, high, at least high level uh, females in, in the room at the same time. You know what I mean? So you have to, you have to like go out and, and, you know, get active like anywhere you can. And, um, yeah, you know, and, and like you said, environment in the gym is everything. Absolutely. And, uh, you have to have good leadership. And, um, I think when you have a good leadership, it also helps you step up as a leader as well. And, um, I think that's definitely helped me. And, yeah, environment is everything. Like I said, you know, if if uh, 
if something doesn't feel right in your in your gym or with your coach, like you need to leave, you need to reassess, you need to take an outside look and especially if this is something you want to do and you know this isn't a sport where we can half ass anything, you know, it's there's no shortcuts. We got to you just have to do what's best for you. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can you can beat somebody 364 out of 365 days, but if that one day is when you meet them in the ring and that's your off day, that's a loss. I mean, so yeah, you really can't have any days off and the whole leadership thing, I don't know what it's like to be a fighter or in a training camp, but maybe some of that translates into even the corporate world or the blue collar world to mm -hmm. the greatest reflection on a leader is, well, how do the people under you, how are they doing? Have you developed them? Have they moved on? And I think gyms could maybe take a bigger piece of that and say, hey, that's the greatest reflection on my name as a gym. My fighters progress, my fighters succeed, my fighters are well-rounded, my fighters are happy. Yeah. I think that must gets lost from time to time. Uh, I'm glad it worked out for you. At least it looks like it is. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and uh, when, uh, like you said, with the blue collar thing too, I agree with that as well. When you have a leader who is who is like you know run things with an iron fist, it just creates a hostile work environment, and it makes you not want to come to work. It makes you know like you're before practice or you're before work, and you're dreading to go in. You know, and I've experienced that both at jobs and in the gym. So. You know, I have, at least I know what those feelings, at least I know what to, uh, like the red flags to see as soon as those things start coming up or anything like that. And so far I haven't, um, experienced that at uh, MMA gold. And I honestly don't expect to, I've known them for a long time and it's been nothing but good vibes. So that's a huge, that's a huge self-awareness key as well of, of feeling out the gym. And I think a lot of the times too, about the with the gyms and sometimes they'll they'll put a lot of favoritism to the top fighter where there it's oh we have a world champion here but it's not really what should be measured and that's exactly what bill was saying it's it's how is everyone as a whole doing because obviously your top talents will come in and out of these gyms and if you're only focused is a singular fighter to get a world champion and you're willing to sacrifice every single other person in the gym. It's not fair to the individuals there. It really is. It's kind of a, a fluffer of what the gym represents. And also, I don't think that a lot of people realize how tough it is to get female top tier female talent in there, especially with how young the WMMA sport still is. I think the only division that would be harder to get top tier talent in is maybe men's heavyweight when you're talking about the these extremely high weight class that you really can't get guys heavier in but outside of it's that it's hard to mimic those dudes man yeah that's, it's, that's, it's hard to mimic those guys it's the it's the <laughs> upper tier heavyweight and then women's just in general and it, it's because that's a a huge kind of loophole that a lot of these women are thrown through along with a lot of the uh, other stuff with weight cutting and stuff like that. It's, it's way easier for men to cut significant weight than it is for women. And I think that that's something that a lot of the casual men fighters don't recognize. And I'm sure that's something that you can attest to as well, Autumn. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, you can ask any fighter. I mean, everyone hates cutting weight, but uh, it's part of the game and you know, you just got to handle it and uh, do your thing. And to kind of go back a little 
bit. Or Bill, did you have anything a uh, comment on that one? Yeah, just just real quick while we're on the subject of cutting weight and try and tie that in with bringing in top female talent because it's difficult. Um, on where you're at now or in the past, it's probably easy. Like, do you ever spar or roll with men, maybe the same weight class? Because it's probably easier to find a 135-pound guy that's either brown or black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu that might throw some things at you that you've never seen. But if you bring to a, a top female talent in, isn't it easier to learn from them as far as, hey, I've been there, I've done that, I've cut that weight just because it's female and they know what you're going through? Because guys probably take a lot of that for granted. Yeah, I think uh, when you have um... – I do have a lot of uh, high-level, smaller guys in the gym, which is nice. And uh, also, yeah, we got some really good girls. Obviously, Aspen and I get some work in together, and her and right. I fight in the same same weight class. And uh, our both styles, I feel like they're kind of like yin and yang. We just kind of like co- our styles just really complement each other well. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, we have we have a really good room. And the thing is, it's it's a it's a pretty small team still. Uh, so we get, uh, really good, like specific attention. Um, whereas like I'll go to alpha male sometimes and do some sparring and there's like 45 guys in the room and maybe just like a couple girls. Uh, and, um, you know, you're not, you're just, it's obviously just sparring, but I could tell like, it's just, if I were to probably train there, I'm not sure if I would get the, uh, attention I need, but yeah. You know? Next time you next time you go to Alpha Male, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide you a list of names. If you get to spar one of these dudes, I want you to throw in some real <laughs> stiff shots for me one time. We'll, we'll talk All about right. that. We'll talk that. about that <laughs> off, off, off the air. But I have a couple people that I need you to give a liver shot to. We'll talk Dang. about that. All right. Later. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go a little bit backwards here. Autumn, when did you realize that fighting was your calling? And and kind of how did you make the transition into being the full-time fighter once you realized this is what you wanted to do? Um, Well, I've been super athletic uh, my entire life. I've kind of been competing at a pretty uh, high level since I was young, I played soccer for 16 years. And uh, I mean, if you think I'm good at fighting, you should see me play soccer because <laughs> I'm, I'm ex- like, I'm telling you, I'm crazy out there. But uh, okay, okay. You know, but, but but growing up, honestly, I was I was kind of like, I was kind of rowdy growing up. And uh, I just I kind of didn't really have, um, I guess, like any boundaries growing up. And I didn't have a whole lot of like parental supervision. So I kind of ran wild a little bit, and uh, I got in plenty of fights. So you know, and uh, it it was you know, and it, it humbled me. But I don't know, like it was just strange when I was younger. Like I was, I was kind of like a really angry kid, and I would just kind of look for reasons to fight people. Like, and I just like looking back, like I'm almost thirty now, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot, you know. And uh, but. In high school, yeah, I, uh, I got in some trouble in high school and, you know, just fighting and, you know, I wasn't the best um, student, like, respectfully wise, but, uh, and I'll be honest, I got expelled from my high school because I was uh, just, I was, it was too much. I was just way too much. I, did, I just didn't care and I was just getting in trouble all the time and, 
Oh, man. Going home to my mom that day, oh, God, that was the most terrifying day of my life, let me tell you. There is one woman on this earth that I fear, and it's my mom. So that was a really <laughs> scary day. But, That's a but, universal uh, truth right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, after uh, – I say when I turned, like, 17, I kind of uh, split away from my friends a bit. And um, I kind of just, like – I honestly was, like, alone for, like, two years. Like, I just didn't really talk to anybody. And I was really, like, entering a new phase of my life. And uh, I calmed down a lot and I matured so much. Um, I ended up – when I, once I turned, like, 19, I uh, ended up uh, getting a job as a correctional officer. And um, – before that, I started training before that. So when I turned 17, I went uh, to my local gym in my uh, hometown, Susanville, California. Um, I had some friends who trained over there. So, and I just always wanted to try it, you know. And um, once I went to a different school after I got expelled, uh, I had to do a senior project for like my last year. And I chose fighting and I did a big report on it in front of the whole school board. I ended up having a fight and I beat the hell out of this girl <laughs> in the first round. And I was, eight, I was 18 at the time and she was like 33. And I, I mauled this lady. Oh, my goodness. This poor woman. Her, her kids were in the crowd and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, I mean, after that, I don't know. I, I just, I really, I really, like, truly fell in love with it. Like, it was, there was just something in me that it just felt right. It felt like um, something just clicked. I mean, from the moment I first started, since the very first day I started training MMA, it's it's all I ever think about, and it's not that I even try to think about it. It's just like it's that's just like how my mind is wired now, and and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it's just truly like planted a seed in my heart, and I just know that's what I want to do with my life. And like I said, I uh, worked as a correction officer for five years. Um, as I was working there, um, I obviously um, juggled both and, you know, it was, it was hard working at least a full-time job. Like, I mean, I was working four twelves a week, sometimes more cause there was just short, short staff and mm -hmm. I got a little money hungry cause the money was good. And I was like, you know, this is cool making money, whatever. And then I ended up not training for a while and I got super depressed and I was, it was probably the lowest point of my life. And, uh, I was sitting at my desk one day and like it, like, it, it kind of built up over time, but one day it all just hit me and uh, I was sitting at my desk and I was like, dude, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? And I was, I was like, it was like, I was like sitting next to myself, like having a conversation. I'm like, what are you doing, girl? Like, you need to, you need to get out of here. Like, you need to go train. You need to go fight. This is not what you're meant to do. And it hit me right there. I wrote my letter of resignation. Uh, two weeks, uh, I left, I moved to Reno and then I had a buddy who had a gym here and that was it got me started going again and uh yeah now i'm in sack and it all just kind of unfolded for me like like you said earlier the uh the unknown was also was obviously there like clearly leaving the security of a job and stuff like that but that i know awesome. it was the right choice it was the right choice for sure because i'm way happier now that was a really hard job to work in and it was very negative and just yeah, you know you see you see really like terrible oh yeah like you just you see like terrible things and it's just negativity. Like you see the worst of society, you know, and it's just, it's not good. It's not a good environment. You have to get sucked into that too. And then over time, like just cause it's so constant and it's in your face, you have to kind of normalize and rationalize that. And the fact you were able to break, realize that you needed to 
have that conversation with yourself. I think it's interesting where you say it's kind of outside myself talking. I mean, we can go deep down a, a, a couple rabbit holes, maybe on another podcast, but the fact that you were able to do that and then pull the trigger and make it happen is probably why some unknown force gravitated me more towards you like that i have the most utmost respect in the world for someone not just a fighter but anybody that's struggling with anything anything in life that's able to do that and just go and march forward so hats off to you thank you so much because there are there are probably people that will never be on a podcast ever that are going through the same thing but maybe if that just hits one set of ears and kind of just snaps them out of it to wake them up I, i that's just to me is powerful and it's it's a resounding message that everybody should hear. Absolutely. I think I'm a huge believer in like, you know, our time on this earth is just it's so short. Like it's a lot shorter than we think and it's just we have no time to waste. Like why are we going to Like I get it if you have there I there's nothing wrong with having a job. I I still work a full-time job and uh but you know, it's like if you're not doing what you love, like you like you're what are you doing you know what i mean like you're wasting your time you're you're unhappy like you're not feeding your soul you know what i mean i totally agree with that um you say you work a full-time job and you train yeah what is that schedule like just so anybody that's not really sure like how often fighters train or oh man i'm tired when i get home from work can you just kind of walk (laughs) us through one of your week's yeah. Um, so I work my job. I'm, I'm super lucky to have this job I have now. Um, and I think my time as a correction officer obviously helped me get this job. So I'm thankful for that. For sure. I'm thankful for a lot of things that being a correction officer taught me. It taught me a lot about people and life in general. And um, so currently I work for a federal security company in Reno still. And I uh, work Thursday nights through Sunday. So I work the graveyard. So Monday through Thursday, I'm a uh, training all day, you know, doing my thing. And then Friday, Saturday, I do my like own workouts and work night shift. And it, it, it honestly works out well. Like it's, it's working out well for me. And like, I've done the whole thing where, um, I've struggled to make money. Like before I had this job, uh, where I was just doing odd jobs or, you know, just doing anything I could to make any sort of money. Worked at a few nightclubs. That was fun, but, um, <laughs> not, not particularly what I want to do either, but, uh, nah. um, Everyone, everyone's different though. Like, like I know fighters who um, do the odd jobs thing, and it, it works out well for them. And you know, kudos. Um, but uh, I'm the type of person like I really just I gotta be like financially set at least, you know. And so as long as all my ducks are in a row, like I'm, I'm good. I'm all right, and I'm making this work the best as I can. And I'm really lucky to have the job I do now because it works. Super well with my schedule. My boss loves me. I'm quite the charmer, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know. Um, Picking up on that already. You know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he uh, he's super cool with my training schedule. He uh, he gives me the time off when I need it. I'm a good employee, too. Like, I don't call out. I, I'm not late, you know. I just uh, focus on training. I go to work. And, you know, I'm just getting better every day in every aspect of life. You show up. That's the hardest well, part. Post COVID, I think the the showing up is something that I oh. didn't sort of realize how insane that is. That people now are just like, 
no, I'm not going to come in. <laughs> like, it's oh yeah, for it's, sure. It's insane to me how it just seems recently <laughs> like it, it, that became an excuse, and then even now people are using it to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling great, so I'm just going to stay home. It's like, yeah, the like, It's it's all that. It's it's pretty crazy. But also, my job. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. And how? So I think another thing that people don't necessarily think about when they're thinking about getting into the fight game or really when they're looking at fighters is what was what was your family's feel on when you told them one that you were going to train fighting and then two even bigger you were going to jump in both feet and go full time in this that what was that like with the with with your family were they supportive or was it a lot of apprehension negativity behind it i i think it was a mixture of all of it um i told a lot of friends and family and i i'm sure even you can ask guys or and people just anyone at even the highest levels and that's, they'll tell you the same thing that you know people will laugh at you uh people will doubt you there i mean there will be doubters at every corner it doesn't matter who if they're blood or not you know like uh some were of course supportive and always have been since day one and i appreciate those people and i even appreciate the doubters and the ones who doubted me and of course when i left my job a lot of my family was like no 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 like of course and i understand because you know that's just their mindset though like that's their that's their security they're they're speaking from their thoughts instead of trying to see it from my my thoughts you know what i mean and they were all yeah super just like not supportive of me leaving my job but i just i knew that's what i had to do like when i was working there man like i can't like this might sound a little crazy and like sarcastic but like that job like i was dying like it was literally it was killing me like I, my soul was like dying and i was just i was so low and i just I couldn't do it. I could not. And I pulled myself out of that hole. And I just, man, just, and I'd rather struggle this way than struggle. I'd rather struggle on my own terms. You know what I mean? Instead of just living this basic life to where like, and man, if I would have stayed there, say like 10, 15 years down the road, I would have been full of so much regret. And oh my goodness, I I couldn't imagine. I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself, you know? And, but, uh, yeah, I have a lot of close family members who still support me, and yeah, they're amazing and good people around me. So it's it's going. And and that goes back to what we were saying and what Bill was saying about how hard it is. And I think that that's a lot of of family, especially coming from an older generation when it was you you stay at a singular job, you run that out. That that's your career. You're done there. And so when you're talking, especially something as new as the making a fighting career and really having the sponsorships behind it that a lot of people don't understand and and how the growth of it and everything so it's you're tacking on one that you're not feeling as solid about yourself and you're having to overcome self-doubt and what you're doing plus some of the other doubt of family not thinking that you can either do it that's that's a tough thing that it really is to kind of come through that and, and make the decisions on your own. So that's, that's something that definitely should not go unnoticed by people. And especially look for you, like Bill was saying that hopefully someone that's in a similar position and it doesn't even have to be fighting. That's whether it's something, a new job or a, 
an independent career that they're looking on of, of really doubling down on themselves, that you, you're the testament that this, in fact, is you're in a way better mindset from what you've said. You're in a better place, and it's on the horizon. We've seen the, the fight videos that you've been posting, the growth and all of that, that it's just on the up and up, and especially in the gym that you're at now. So it's very impressive. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been wild. It's been crazy. And, you know, but I'm thankful for it all. It's made me a better woman uh, altogether, not just a better fighter, but um, the hardships are really important in life. And, you know, you just got to see it through. And once you get to the other side, you're like, dang, like I did that, you know, like it's just, you come out the other side just better. And uh, I'm always thankful for those, for those opportunities in life. Cause, uh, Growing can be painful, but, you know, it's it's necessary. And do you think that that now gives you, from what you've gone through, a mental edge over all of, if, or most of, if not all of the women that you're going to see across the cage? Is that something that you you feel on your, especially on that entrance to into the fight, is that something that you realize about yourself that you can kind of go to that that deep end? Oh, and Where you're... you're it's the unbreakable mentality that you're willing to go farther than anyone else will. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think every fighter, it's a hard, it's a, it's hard, it's hard to be a fighter. It's, it's hard. It's the hardest sport the hardest. you'll ever do. <laughs> it's the hardest but, uh, in the world. argument from anyone yeah. here. No <laughs> argument at all. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I have truly walked through fire to become the woman I am today. And, uh, it's just, I came, like, you know, everyone has a story, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pull the, the poor me card, you know, like, but, uh, I grew up in, um, a, uh, you know, kind of crazy family. Um, uh, there was just a lot of, uh, drugs in my family and just a lot of, uh, addiction issues in my family growing up. And, um, uh, you know, growing up, I just, it, it was strange. Cause I remember at just a very young age, like being surrounded by all these people who, you know, were just lived life so hard and just so sad and you know other people and a lot of my family and even you know some of the people I know and my friends like they went down that path too and um they grew up in the same environment as I did and uh but I remember it as a young age like there was just something in me and uh that I just I always had a, a sense and a feeling that I just I was meant for something more and that I never I used the people who I grew up with as an example of what not to do or what not to be and not ha- and how to not live my life. And, uh, you know, you can either do that or you can go the other way and just become like your surroundings and, you know, eventually fold. And, you know, that's the easy way out for sure. But there's just I couldn't imagine like it's just that's such a sad, hard life to, to go through. I just I couldn't do it. Yeah. And this is something that Bill and I have also talked about. Now, I know personally that I can say that I have it and it it's kind of a weird question but would from hearing of what you just said as well and I think that all fighters kind of have to have it but it's it's you have that inner addictive personality that I Mm -hmm. think you you have to where it's it's part of your nature in order to do something so repetitive day after day and then all something's got to be a little off with you in order to be willing to stand across from someone and try to 
separate them from consciousness. It's, but it's, so it's, but that's the thing. It's, it's hard to explain to people that don't have that inner addictive personality on why you're doing it. It's, and, and like you said, there's the, it's such a fine line between the path of drugs, alcohol, addiction, and then putting it towards something else like fighting or it's, I, I don't think you get to the top of anywhere in this world without that personality. I know like, uh, our friend uh, Paul Felder's now with, he transitioned to triathlon and that's the most repetitive over and over. It's three things repetitive over and over. So it's, yeah, I don't think that you can, (laughs) you don't want to shine anything, but it's, it's wild. (laughs) No, I don't want to give Paul any respect whatsoever. (laughs) But it's wild to hear it's that, that background that it, it just doesn't seem, it seems like every, everyone that, comes across this nature it's has had to tread such this fine line and and that's something i also don't think people recognize or it's almost impossible for them to be able to empathize with it unless they they've really lived it so that's taking the words right out of my mouth jolly yeah so not even just a fighter because every every fighter knows that you know it you know takes sacrifice and this is what i want to do just because the sheer fact I could be seriously hurt, injured, or killed if I'm not training this hard and I'm not on my game and I don't take it seriously. But Autumn brings up, or I brought up a great point about, I mean, I don't know what it's like to tell your family that that's what, that this is what you wanted to do or just anybody making any life choice. But the their response comes from their perspective. I think that's a tremendous point. It's an incredibly insightful and very wise point that they're just looking out for for you from their perspective and they don't put themselves in your shoes, but Hey, maybe this is what I not want, but what I need to thrive and actually fully develop. And I'll take the fighter piece out of it. I have people that I'm friends with good friends with that. I won't hear back from three, four, five, six months. You know, you text, you call, you don't hear anything back. And then third party will bitch to me. Ah, well, this person doesn't get back to me. He, He never answers. Well, he or she, he or they are sacrificing what they have to to focus their time on where they want to go and what they want to do. So to call that person selfish, just my opinion, is incredibly selfish on the other party's part. Like anybody that hits me up to say somebody else didn't text them back and they're being selfish, bro, you're being selfish. That person's actually following their dream and pursuing what they want to do. Just support them. And when they come back to you, they're going to remember that you supported them. Like, you have to give people time. I said this because I never text anybody back either. I'm trying to give myself a little bit of a <laughs> break. But me too, me too. My I'm being a little selfish there too. Yeah. Yeah, right? Always. Always, no matter what. And yeah. listen, your time is invaluable. So you use it for what you want to do. And if people don't get back to you, listen, it's not personal. Just well, it is if you're an asshole, but <laughs> if it's somebody be, that but... you, I mean, but if it's somebody that you've been friends with, just public service announcement. Take the time, just support the person. You don't know what they're going through, and if they're really going through some tough decisions and they're trying to make themselves better, that's what you should want for them. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that definitely. I, uh, I've had a mixture of all of that. Um, 
you know, family and friends. Like, like I said, uh, literally my phone is always on do not disturb. Like, I don't know. I just don't like to be disturbed. You know, don't be disturbing me. Like, I'm, I got shit to do. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, exactly. you know, some, some of my friends uh, in the past, I think most of the, the real ones, you know, they're, they're still here today and they understand now. But, you know, usually... Uh, those types of people will filter themselves out and show their true colors. And the thing is, I don't expect people to understand my lifestyle because they're not in it. They don't do it. But everyone's got their own grind and things they want to do. And we're adults now, you know, we can't just be out like, you know, just goofing off all the time. You know, they're, like if you have goals and you're, over. you're trying to. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just if you like, if you understand that somebody has a goal and, and you know, uh, uh just things like that in mind. Like you just got to respect it. And like you said earlier, I have friends who I won't talk to for months and then we'll pick up right back where we left off. Like we never even stopped talking and you can tell those are always the true friends and they're always the most meaningful connections. Yeah. Yeah, There's not a lot of them around usually. Yeah. It's very rare, but you know, you gotta, as you get older, as you get older, you kind of realize that you don't need a lot of friends. You just need a few solid ones and that's all you need. Yeah. And I think you see, especially with something that's as, as full-bodied and you have to dedicate as much time with, with fighting where people don't seem to understand that you're, you can't do the, hey, it, it's Friday night, let's go out and drink till 2 a.m. Because with, when you're fighting, that's, that's the biggest detriment some to these earlier fighters as well, that if they're these 18, 19-year-olds that can do that, but then it's it, it that doesn't the years down the road it's when the people that are disciplined and are able to take care of their bodies it's when it, it really shows so it's that's a big one especially for younger fighters that some of their friends won't understand like hey why why can't you come out party with us and it's like well i yeah. got to be in the gym i got to i can't be hung over and especially I can't be hung over taking liver shots because I'll be crumbling. Yeah. 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 No, I've, I've been there for sure. Like, I mean, like I said earlier, like when I was growing up, I was, I was pretty rambunctious. I was crazy. And honestly, like I, I was the type of friend who was life of the party. And so everyone kind of relied on me to be the excitement, you know what I mean? And I took on that role like comfortably and that was who I was. Uh, and as I started to transition, uh, it was kind of hard because a lot of my friends did reach out and just like say things like, oh, you've changed or, oh, you don't want to party anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, obviously I oh, don't. Like, I have to wake up one. at 5 a.m. and run. Like, I'm not trying to like, come on, you know, it's just um, I think, too, like uh, drinking, it's just something that is just it doesn't do anything for me. It does no good for me. And it's just it's a. As you get older, too, it just honestly, it's made it anytime I would drink, like I would just honestly get more depressed. And it, I just kind of realized lately um, that, yeah, it's just, there's no point in it. There, it's not even like fun how it used to be. Like, I'm just the whole time I would just be like out or something, I would just be like, dang, I could like be in the gym right now or something, you know, I would just be like obsessing over it. But uh, once I made that switch, it was just, it, it, it takes a while, I guess, you know, um, to make that f- switch fully. But, you know, but again, you come out on the other side, a better person. And there's just more important things to, to do with your time, you know? I, I couldn't agree 
more on that one. Bill, you you have any anything on that you want to touch as well? Yeah, I mean, you can either have pretty much one or the other. You can either be focused and dedicated to what you want to do, or you can kind of just stick around off to the side. And listen, dicking around off to the side is the <laughs> easiest thing in the world. I used to dick around off to the side for years at a time. Like, it's so easy. And then it's, all you have to do is, ah, well, this guy did this to me, or this excuse, or that excuse. When you really cut all that crap out, you, yeah. and then just like Autumn said, you get to the other side, like you cross over that barrier, and then you look back and see, and you're just like, oh, oh, God, I would punch myself in the face if I was in front of me right now. <laughs> so Seriously. like, you just have to make that choice and go do it. It's usually one or the other. Not saying you can't have a drink from time to time. I like to enjoy them just as much, if not more, <laughs> as the next person. But Autumn, you were saying you're almost 30, right? Yeah, I'm 28 right now. Just turned yes. 28. Okay, well, when you add that next decade on and, and you go out drinking till 2 a.m. on Friday, you don't feel right till midday Tuesday. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I do – yeah, no, that started to happen like not worth like, it. early. Like, <laughs> listen, I got all that out at a very early age, so I'm thankful. It's all good. It's in the past, you know. Like, I'm, I was crazy. So, I've you should if you would have met me, like, how old am I? What a one, two, three. Yeah, like eight years ago, you know. Like, it would. I'm a totally different person, just completely different. And uh, yeah, I got that stuff out of my system at an early age. So, and it's funny because like my friends now, like you know, they're all like, just I don't know. It's just it's strange because they're always out every weekend. I just see it on social media. Like guys are always drinking, and I'm not shaming. I'm not hating. Like I'm. It might sound like I am, but I promise I'm not. Like, but it's just like, don't you guys just get tired of that? Like it's just repetitive. You're with the same people. You're at the same bars. Like. And it, it kind of just makes me sad for people because I know they just haven't found their purpose or their calling and something that they love and that they want to do. And it just, I guess, makes me empathize. But uh, yeah, it just doesn't help Man. just drinking like that. Yeah, it, this is going to be hard at time. What a beautiful, that's a beautiful, introspective, almost cosmic, what is the soul perspective of looking on things? I don't, that's going to be hard to top. I mean, listen, we're going to bring just back and we're going to go to the stone ages. <laughs> like this, 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 this is going to be, I think we peaked right here. This and I, I think that's it. Just like autumn. I think you, you hit a bullseye. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you choose to do. But if you can empathize with someone, which I think as a society, we've definitely regressing in, but they just haven't found their purpose. And I think once they, if hopefully they will find that purpose, they'll do the same thing, right? Then they'll stop going, you know, the same old habits. They'll cross over that barrier and look back and be like, yeah, I had a couple thousand followers on social media, but yeah, who cares? So what? Yeah, what have dude, I done? Like, I haven't done material. anything. Yeah, dude. And the whole social media thing, it's like everyone, that's all they're worried about. And they like want to live these like fake lives on social media. And it's just all, it's like so... How is that not like draining you like to try to keep up that image? Uh, and it's just, I hate social media. I deleted like Twitter a few years ago. I deleted yep, Facebook. Saw that. And so, you know, it, I just, I don't know, dude. I just, and I'm honestly, I was thinking for a while to delete my Instagram for a while, but I think I kind of just like restarted it a bit, I guess, deleted all my pictures. And 
I don't know. I just, I don't know. Up. I just, you know, I don't want to, social media is just whack, you know? <laughs> like, why can't it, we just, like, talk to each other in person, you know? It's just well, like, especially yeah. human beings, you mean? Especially yeah, for exactly. a female. Wait, in person? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially for so, the female side. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be extremely toxic for. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's worst. even worse. For, yeah. <laughs> 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 just shitting on everyone now. But no, but. I had to take that cheap it, shot for Joss. He's not uh, here. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's um, it's one of those that it's hard. And to, and to touch on the empathizing with the people, I think it's also that once you do find that that calling, it's it's easy to sacrifice what's taking you away from that. But people don't realize until you have that drive to put everything behind you what true sacrifice means. And and that it it's it really isn't that difficult to sacrifice everything to put in. Now it's some of the, the emotional sides of it and it means that you might lose friends, which is never never tough. But when you know 100% in your heart that this is the dedication. It it's becomes very clear the path forward. And if people aren't meant to be with you on that journey, then they'll they'll be falling off and, and saving right. with a lot of the, the people. And then kind of how we've all come here, where the people that are wanting to go on a similar journey or are know that sacrifice gravitate towards everyone and I know that's Bill and yourself have had that same sort of gravitation and why you've both kind of empathized with each other and that you're able to have the relationship that of knowing each other it's because of that understanding of I'm willing to do whatever it takes to succeed at my goals and that's something that's pretty bliss once you find it but it's it's rare like you said and some people find it but don't have the initiative or really know how to do that next step of of going forward and i think that's that's really the hardest part it's to put yourself in the correct direction for sure so, i think hell on earth until ahead, you yeah. get there oh sorry it's hell on earth until you get there like mm-hmm. you you go to some dark dark places on that journey that that shouldn't be understated and i also want to say jolly as you so eloquently put this lead in the segue to this next part i also have the eye for a decent fighter uh-huh. and i'm going to tell you <laughs> that when autumn makes it to the ufc we can look back and jolly you could be like man how did you pick her out i know <laughs> talent when i see it jolly and i think that now so uh we kind of transitioned some into the the fighting side so how did you get so you've been with a couple of the different promotions and now you've signed with Invicta which I will say Invicta is probably outside of the the UFC that the premier females fighting promotion I know Bellator is a bit of a, a bigger name but in terms of the talent that you see because most of the top talent upcoming now and some of the contracts signed to the UFC all seem to be being the straight out of Invicta and also I think it was was it April or was it last year maybe they had the first ever all women's MMA fight if I'm not mistaken it was a a sold out crowd that was pretty I I'd have to look it up again but I know that they had had an all women's MMA so how did you how did you get involved with that promotion autumn um 
Well, when I first started training, uh, that's kind of when I discovered Invicta. Uh, I remember sitting at uh, my computer. I think as I first started training, I was just kind of looking up videos all the time, you know. Even now, I'm still always just watching, like, boxing videos or whatever. It's just kind of habit now. But uh, um, I was watching one of the very first Invicta shows, and I remember just being absolutely blown away. I was 17 years old, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I was like, wow, this is incredible i was just i was like beside myself and um i was and i told myself that day even on i had a post from facebook uh before like as i first started training from like eight uh years ago and it said something as oh i'll fight for them one day and i shared invicta's post and uh oh that's cool um, yeah and i just <laughs> i don't know i just um always watched him and then eventually when I was ready to turn pro we let him know and we sent him my videos and they're like all right here's the date boom and so we're like all right we got the contract and I got one more this will be my last uh fight on the contract then we'll probably renegotiate possibly and then yeah go from there and that's that's it what so, was your first experience with a fight when what was the was that your first uh, uh, experience with the actual kind of sanctioned fighting or was there or was it earlier on or boxing or what was what was your kind of first experience with the the actual sanctioned fighting that you were seeing um i had uh, how many i think i had nine amateur fights i went seven and two and uh yeah i fought i fought for, I flew out to Memphis one time and fought. I uh, fl- I fought a few times in my hometown, a couple times in Reno, uh, uh, just a couple times throughout California. You know, I s- here and there, and uh, you know, I was young and I I uh, was still learning. But you know, as the uh, time went on, I guess you know, you always want to just get more experience. And I try to tell other fighters too to you know you need to go to someone else's backyard to fight. You can't just stay in your hometown and fight. And you got to go go experience that because uh, it'll prepare you for the bigger stage, I guess. And um, I fought on some bigger cards as an amateur, and I guess that kind of prepared me. But uh, I don't know. I think um, I don't know. Once I got to Invicta, it was just kind of maybe getting used to it a little bit because. I did. Ha- I was pretty green, to be honest. Um, but I got comfortable, and then I just—I know to expect now, and I'm really excited. I'm excited to go to Denver too, so that'll be nice. It's interesting when you say this is the last fight on this contract, and it's in Denver. I was going to ask: um, Have have you fought at Elevation before, or is there any? difference in training leading up to that and it's interesting that if i'm looking at the fight order correctly and this is how i have it listed here not to say this is how the fights are going to go on fight night but you might kick off the card and the only other bantamweight fight is the main event which is the championship yeah it's like a little maybe statement say hey one disrespectful to have the, the natural lead off the card uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the nine off right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there we go. And then it's interesting that the main event, the only other bantamweight fight, is the title fight. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're going to be having an eye on that. Yeah, probably. I might just leave and go get some food. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to go to Denver and um, – I'm kind of, I don't care if I'm the second or first fight. I don't, I just don't care. You know, I'm ready to get in there. 
I, uh, like I said, I'm definitely going to set the night off right. I'll set the tone for the night and see if anyone can top me. I doubt it, but we'll see. So they have big shoes to fill. That's for sure. Love it. Love it. Well, we'll be watching for sure. We will. Um, Autumn, do you want to let's, – let's have you. So let us know who and, and where you're fighting. I know you just we just said it, but what's the, uh, what's the date and opponent? And, and let everybody here know what that they should expect from that, that fight of yours. Um, fight is July 20th in Denver, Colorado for Invicta FC. Uh, my opponent's name is Maria Druick. I don't know how to say her last name, but it's something along those lines. Um, I think on paper, it's a better fight than it will be physically, to be honest. I just don't think she has really ever faced anyone like me. She's only had a few fights total. Um... I just, you know, once it gets to Invicta the and pros in general, the, the competition just really steps up. And uh, unfortunately for her, her Invicta debut is against me. So <laughs> that's matchmaker did not do her any favors. No. And speaking. Yeah, of, exactly. For, for, and that was you had a, some may say pretty controversial uh, decision on your I had watched it, too. I would have given you the nod in your your first Invicta fight, but what did you learn from that loss? And this is something that we uh, we talk on this podcast quite a bit about. Where it's that first fight, there's so many unknowns that go into it that it's it's one of those that you see a lot of people absolutely lay eggs, and then but to have not come out victorious, but to have the split decision loss that you were absolutely competitive and arguably won the fight. What did, what did that teach you both about yourself and and sort of helped you with all your talent? Um, I think that was a really, I think that was a really good lesson that I had to learn, to be honest. Um, my opponent for that, she was a super solid grappler. Um, uh, she had amazing top pressure. I know I won the second round. I think the only thing she had on me was that she had me on my back, but she didn't land any strikes on me. I was way more active from the bottom. Uh, and like I said, I, I was piecing her up on the feet. I stuffed a takedown. Um, uh, I don't know. I think on, during that fight, I did feel a little, little different than the fight after that. Um, probably a lot different, honestly. I just I was more comfortable. I'm not making any excuses for myself, you know. Uh, she, she outclassed me. I, you know, I, I lost and I carried on. But, uh you know, you you learn from those mistakes, and I just realized the things I needed to work on, and I have worked on those. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, I just think I've kind of moved on from that. I'm, uh, you know, everyone's got to take your lick somewhere, but uh, I learned a lot. I don't know. I'm just I'm grateful for the opportunity, and yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think that the you don't get any better experience than the actual fights and. I think, like you said, unfortunately for Maria on July 20th, that she's going to ex- experience something uh, very similar and, and see what top-tier talent looks like. So we'll, I think we'll, uh, we'll let you get going here. I know it's been beyond generous with all your time, but we cannot, I know I speak for just not here and Bill and I that when we say that we cannot wait to see you fight and we are beyond grateful for having you on the podcast. Bill, do you have any any closing 
Things you want to say? Yeah. Three things real quick. One statement and then two parting questions, and then I will be grateful to shut up. Just to echo what Jolly said, Autumn cannot thank you enough for taking the time, most importantly, to hang out uh, with us. This exceeded even my great expectations. I knew that it would be a great time. We would hit some nice subjects. Uh, I think you are an ace, both inside of the ring and out. Uh, anybody listening out there might want to replay what Autumn said 10 times in a row. <laughs> listen to it before you go to sleep. Listen to it when you wake up. It will help your life. And then my two parting questions real quick. You mentioned you were a soccer player, as was I, and as are a few other people that are dying to know what was your top position that you played at the highest level. And then after that, uh, Jolly, our co-host here, you may or may not know, is a self-proclaimed sexist. So if you were going to put him, if if you were going to put him in his submission, how would you sub Jolly? All right, let's break this down. So first question, uh, yeah, I played I played soccer for sixteen years. I was pretty much a striker the whole time. Um, dude, I was a fucking stud soccer player. I love soccer so much, but. Uh, so I was on the, as a freshman, I was on the varsity team. I was starting and I was also the lead scorer. You know, I'm not trying to brag, but you know. I'm oh, let's shit. go. I'm kind of shit on the field. I mean. Real respect's yeah. real. I, I got you. <laughs> you feel me? Um, yeah. Dang submissions. Dang. Let's see. In my arsenal. I don't know, dude. I think uh, I'm kind of, the whole ground and pound method is working out for me. So I think uh, he would definitely catch some slick elbows. <laughs> Yes. Short elbows from the top. I love it. Yes. You stand no chance. Oh, it's going to be raining elbows. <laughs> that's Perfect the last thing. That's the last thing you ever want to see is the, the little <laughs> when the little extended <laughs> arm and then an elbow coming down. Yeah. Is the, it, you can tap the mat from these uh, elbows, brother. It, life goes very in slow motion when you see the extended arm start to start to go to 90 degrees it's not that, that's not yeah it's done. really it's, it's really satisfying being on the other side of that yeah. it's, strange. It, it's strange because it's very strange because when sometimes when your elbow makes contact with someone's face the skin when the when the skin breaks open it makes a snapping sound it's like a little it's pop. really it's re- yeah it's like a little pop it, and it's, it's really strange but, it's like um yeah. with, when you step on one of those little like the little uh what is it? The little poppets you throw on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like when you step on those. It's that's actually it's, a perfect example. Uh, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's kind of gross, but in uh, in a fight, it's very satisfying. But yeah, think yeah, about it, it out of a fight contest, it's gross. But for those that <laughs> don't know, it's exactly like if you were to step on a poppet. That's the that's the sound. What and what bone splitting flesh sounds like so sweet dreams <laughs> jolly you nice. you're welcome <laughs> um most of all thank you for sponsoring me and helping me through this camp uh, it truly means a lot you know these little connections um it really does go a long way and just knowing that even people out there who i've never met are truly behind me and you have no idea how much uh you guys have just motivated me even more and uh july 20th i will leave my heart in there Once again, thank you, Autumn. And for the three of us, we're out.